Yes, I'm sick, but we press on because there's a big divisional round matchup on the horizon. To take one last look back before looking ahead to the Cowboys, we welcome Nathan Yonke of ProFootballFocus.com. It's all coming up on Railbird Central next. talking about a divisional round matchup against the Dallas Cowboys coming up. To do that, we have a guest joining us on the phone today, and this may be the shortest episode of Railbird Central ever, because after the interview, that might be it. But I'm glad Nathan Yankee is here to talk more than me here. Nathan, welcome to the show. Good morning, Brian. Thanks for having me. Hopefully I can drag out my answer some so we can have a decently <laughs> sized episode. <laughs> well, uh, Nathan, I have to start with Randall Cobb. Why do you think he had so much success against the Giants this season after also having a good game against them in the regular season? I think Cobb has had so much success against them since he's able to attack the weak points of the Giants defense. Uh, first off, the Giants pass rush this season has mostly come from Olivier Vernon, at least when JPP's been out, and the Packers were able to limit him, so Rodgers had plenty of time to throw. Um, Their top cornerback, Janoris Jenkins, only plays on the outside, and then Dominique Rodgers-Cromartie in the first matchup um, played on the outside. This week he was supposed to be in the slot, but then after two plays he was hurt and out for the rest of the game. So um, the weak points were slot cornerback, uh, safety opposite Landon Collins, so... Uh, Cobb was well-suited to take advantage of those weaknesses. Nathan, I I saw Pro Football Focus chart Aaron Rodgers' success over the middle of the field on Sunday. Can you cite those statistics and speculate why he targeted those areas of the field? And and maybe this is the same answer. It's the Randall Cobb answer. You you tell me. Sure. Um, He completed 17 of 19 passes for 263 yards and three touchdowns. Again, he was targeting there so much because Jenkins is on the outside and they wanted to avoid him. Uh, Four of those catches for 103 yards and three touchdowns were Cobb in the middle. So um, along with that, the Giants also have a weakness at linebacker and coverage. So the Packers were also able to do a bit more underneath against them as well. Um, Devontae Adams had five catches in the middle, mostly coming on in routes or crossing routes. Uh, Jared Cook had some of the same success against linebackers and Leon Hall. So it was a combination of the same uh, defenders who were a weakness, but it wasn't just Cobb who was able to do well, but Adams and Cook as well. Yeah, a good day from the passing game, and Aaron Rodgers, Hail Mary, added all together. It was a pretty good game, at least for the last three quarters or so. The first first quarter wasn't very memorable, but uh, Nathan, how did Kristen Michael grade out against the Giants, and do you think he'll have a bigger role against the Cowboys coming up? Uh, it was his highest graded game as a Packers so far. 
Uh, he graded out a little a little above average. Uh, he had four or more yards on seven of his ten carries, so it was good to see him consistently gaining yards. Uh, five defenders missed tackles on him, so doing that on just ten carries is pretty impressive. But he didn't see a carry until the third quarter when the Packers had the lead. So um, if Ty Montgomery is hurting, I could see him seeing a bit more carries, but I think it'll be very dependent on the flow of the game. Um, if the Packers are able to gain a lead, I could see them trying to run a lot to uh, just maintain the lead and run out the clock. But if the Packers are losing, I could see it being a game where they're throwing a ton and then Michael might not see the field very much. Well, I hope he sees the field sooner than he did last week at the least and uh, hopes he continues to see more touches. I think he's really good, uh, or at least they can rely on him at this point uh, as opposed to before when he didn't really know the offense. Nathan, the offensive line, once again, it gave Aaron Rodgers a ton of time to throw. Who among the five stood out the most? I would say TJ Lang was the most impressive of the five linemen. Uh, for the seventh time this season, he didn't allow a single pressure in the game, uh, which includes the first game against the Giants. Uh, Brian Bulaga was also perfect in pass protection, but I'm picking Lang since he was a better run blocker. Um, he also uh, hasn't been too noticeable as a screen blocker this season, but he had a good screen block in this one too. Um, no penalties for him in the game, so he basically was good at everything you would want alignment to be good at in a game. And interestingly enough, uh, Lang's two highest-graded games of this season were the two games against the Giants. Yeah, really remarkable seeing as uh, he's been dealing with the foot injury, too. It isn't 100% over that. We're talking to Nathan Yonke of ProFootballFocus.com here at Railbird Central on a Wednesday morning. Nathan, let's turn to the defense. Can you assess Julius Peppers' performance after making an impact both by applying pressure and batting passes? Uh, sure, he definitely had a good game in this one, had a sack, a hit, two hurries, two batted passes. Uh, he was doing it lining up a di couple of different places along the defensive line, uh, beating different of the offensive linemen. Also looked good in the run game, but he didn't grade out quite as well as all of those numbers would imply, uh, just because it took him some time to get some of those pressures. Um, the sack that he had on Eli, uh, Eli kind of scrambled into it, so it wasn't as impressive. Uh, he was still graded positively on all of those plays, just not quite as positively as you would see when a defensive lineman beats uh, offensive lineman within a second or two. So good game, but uh, he could still do well going forward. Yeah, certainly a lot of things that are out of his control uh, that he still did as good as he possibly could. Um, Nathan, I saw Pro Football, oh, blah, 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 Pro Football Focus call it the best performance of Jake Ryan's career. What led to that on Sunday against the Giants? Yeah, I tweeted that out sometime in the fourth quarter, and then he continued to have some good plays there. Uh, he just looked really good both in the run game and the pass game. Um, against the run, he had four tackles, uh, three of which he had to beat an offensive lineman or a tight end in order to make those tackles uh, for, all for short gains. Uh, they were also a few plays where he was able to beat a block, disrupt the run, or force a cut. So um, several positive plays against the run, and then just one noticeable negative play where he over-pursued a little bit to the outside, but the good far outweighed the bad there. Um, then in coverage, he was thrown at far more than he had been in any other game this season, uh, thrown at nine times, and he allowed six catches, which doesn't sound good, but only one of those went for first down, so... 
a linebackers typically allow a pretty high catch rate, and as long as they aren't allowing too many yards, they're doing well there. Uh, one of them, he had a tackle for a short game, which was good. And then what really helped his grade against the pass is he did a good job preventing catches for those three plays where there were incompletions. Um, he had a pass breakup for one, uh, helped prevent the catch by hitting the a receiver for another, and then just kind of ripped the receiver's arm out at the right time to prevent against a catch for the third. So um, again, a lot of good plays in the past game as well with just uh, one noticeable bad one. So uh, really good to see a ton of good plays out of him during the game. Yeah, really good to see that coming out of Jake Wright and a position the Packers have a lot of injuries. Um, Nathan, I thought both Ladarius Gunter and Demarius Randall had good performances against the Giants. Who would you say played better of the two? I would probably pick Randall out of the two. Um, he did have a couple of bad plays in the game, including a touchdown as well as two first downs, but he had a lot of good plays in the game as well. Uh, the game-clinching interception, of course. Uh, he also had two pass breakups, which both of them probably could have been intercepted. Um, a tackle for a short gain on another pass, um, another incompletion that was partially due to his close coverage. So several good plays out of him in coverage. And in addition to that, he had a few good plays on special teams where I would say uh, Gunter just had an average game. Uh, just looking at his statistics, he only allowed two catches for 14 yards, which looks really good, but uh, two of those, or he had two incompletions thrown his way where he was beat and the receiver just dropped the pass. So um, had the receiver just held on to it, then his stats would have looked a bit worse. And only one uh, noticeable good play of his coverage when he was targeted. So uh, due to Randall's several good plays, I would pick him over Gunter just in this game yeah but certainly both played well uh Nathan as usual can you give us your Cowboys preview telling us some of the biggest differences from the first time these teams uh, these two teams men the regular season sure uh the Cowboys look good in that game and they've only been getting better as the rest of the season has gone on I'm um, in that first matchup the Cowboys were without Des Bryant who was having an all right uh, first half of the season before he missed a few games but on six of his past seven games, he's had at least 70 receiving yards, uh, six touchdowns over that time span as well. So uh, he's been an asset to the offense. Um, Ronald Leary, who was the weak point in that Packer-Cowboys game for them, uh, he's looked better in run blocking in eight of his last nine games, uh, better as a pass blocker in eight of those nine as well. So um, Leary, who was a weak point, has helped make the Cowboys offensive line uh, live up to the reputation that they've have grown to have um then cowboys on defense they've gotten better there too uh tyrone crawford has been their one of their most notable defensive linemen had a slow start to the season just two pressures against the packers but um in five of his last eight games he's had at least two pressures so he stepped up a bit there and then uh, sean lee he was having an all right start to the season but he earned an all pro mostly due to his play over the second half of the season. So the Cowboys are strong basically at every position out there. So it'll definitely be a difficult task for the Packers in this game. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Nathan, thank you so much for joining us today. We'll talk about the game next week and break it down. Glad to have you again and take some pressure off me. Thanks a lot, Nathan. Yep, no problem. Thanks again for having me, and I hope you're feeling better. <laughs> soon. Thanks.
Thank you once again to Nathan Yaki of ProFootballFocus.com joining us here at Railbird Central on a Monday, on a Wednesday morning. Uh, glad to have him joining us. Glad to have you, the listener, join us as we continue on with the show. Packers news of the day. We're going to keep this short, folks. I don't think anybody wants to listen to me in this voice too much. Um, he, we had no episode Monday because if if you can imagine, if I sound like this on Wednesday, how bad I must have sounded on Monday. Uh, it was it was pretty bad. Um, yeah, I'm sick and uh, hopefully getting over it. The the I'm over the worst. I think I'm starting to get better now, just not quite as quickly as I want. But uh, thanks for the well wishes out there on Twitter. Um, just quickly, I'm not going to give any analysis here, uh, but I think people are always interested in finding out the Railbird Central Chips report. Your your two two players in every every category: blue chips, red chips, and cow chips. Just going through those before one brief piece of news here. Um, your blue chip performers from this past game, which we haven't announced up until now. Our wide receiver Randall Cobb and and linebacker Julius Peppers, who, you know, Nathan Yonke just basically went over the reasons why those two, I thought, were the two best performers in the Packers uniform. Your red chip performers, the good but not great. Uh, I went with linebacker Jake Ryan and cornerback Ladarius Gunter. Kind of interesting that, you know, when asked Nathan Yonke about between Gunter and Randall, he went with Randall over Gunter. I'm giving Gunter the edge because he basically shadowed Odell Beckham, the Giants' number one wide receiver, one of the best wide receivers in the NFL, and I thought he did really good. I thought Demarius Randall played great, folks. A lot of people be down on him because of the touchdown he gave up. I personally am putting that until further notice on HaHa Clint Dix, who jumped the underneath route, which would have been like, a very short slant. I don't know why he bit so hard on that instead of giving help over the top. As you saw, and, and Troy Aikman pointed out during the broadcast that Ladarius Gunter was playing outside leverage as well, and that was his responsibility, so he wasn't there on the inside. I thought Demarius Randall played great. I just thought Ladarius Gunter uh, played a little bit better, but very, very happy about the play of both of them, especially considering the the cornerback situation and how desperate it was the previous week when Quentin Rollins got hurt, Mackenzie Dorleant got hurt. It was so huge for just Randall to be out there the whole game. Uh, he he deserves a lot of credit. Um, your cow chip uh, performances, the worst in a Packers uniform this past week. One goes to Nick Perry, who couldn't do anything but one late hit on the quarterback. Uh, didn't even make a tackle this game. And the other goes to Blake Martinez, who got beat uh, by tight end Will Ty, compounded it by later missing a tackle on him. It has nothing to do with the injury. It's basically perform how he performed before the injury. Um, you know, there, there's been lingering issues with, with Blake Martinez, and maybe that has to do with it. But while he was out there, did not look good. Hopefully those players look better for this game. Uh, I basically, that there's your chips report. I, I want to speak on just one piece of news here because I think a lot of people out there might not have the whole story or might be confused by some of it. And this is going to be the last thing I touch on for the day here is the arrest uh, by Packers rookie wide receiver Geronimo Allison. So according to a report first told by Michael Cohen of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, Allison is facing charges for possession of marijuana as the story goes, he was pulled over for speeding, 
The police officer smelled marijuana smoke in the vehicle and searched it and found uh, said substance. Um, his first court appearance is Monday, January 23rd, which just so happens to be the day after the NFC Championship game, if the Packers managed to advance that far. Um, Allison was originally arrested in Manitowoc County back on September 4th. I'm not even sure he knew he made the practice squad at that point in time. That is the exact same day NFL teams begin sending their practice squads, so it's difficult to say. Allison would probably have to answer that. He ended up paying a fine and posted a mere $100 bond. If you're wondering why it's being reported now and not back in September, it's not some witch hunt by the media. It's because this is the first time they're catching wind of it with this uh, court appearance forthcoming here. Uh, you know, actually on the horizon in just a, a few short weeks or a few short days. And if you're wondering about what does this mean for Geronimo Allison, here's what I know about the NFL's substance abuse policy. If this is the first drug-related incident for Allison, he won't be suspended by the NFL. And if you... If you're wondering why media outlets are not reporting whether it is or it isn't, it's because they don't know because the NFL is not forthcoming with this information. You don't know whether it's a player's first instance or second instance until they become suspended because basically all players get a free first strike in the substance abuse program. Yeah, the NFL just tries to, you know, they try, they try to help players. And like, if you got a problem, we're going to overlook the first instance and try to help you from there on. It's then when you get suspended, but they don't let you know if a player just, you know, the first instance can be many things. It doesn't have to be a failed drug test. Most of the time it probably is. They'll like fail the drug test be, you know, that they detected on a urination test that they only really take once a year or a few times a year if, if, if necessary. Uh, but beyond that, sometimes it comes about like this where he's just arrested for possession, but he does have to be convicted first. That's why, that's why everything's stalling right now. He's not going to be suspended for this weekend's game against the Cowboys or the NFC Championship game because the NFL will let the court system play itself out. I mean, if he would happen to be found innocent for whatever reason, then nothing happens. So, um, uh, so but uh, assuming he just does, you know, he, he probably will be found guilty or he'll plead guilty or whatever and he'll end up paying his fine. It's, you know, not a huge deal. Um, but, um, basically at that point in time, that's when the NFL would, would start to become involved. And if this is the first incident with Geronimo Allison, he won't be suspended at all. Uh, what, not this year, not next year or anything. Uh, now if it's a second offense, it's possible he could be suspended in time for the Super Bowl, depending on on how quickly the NFL acts because it'll be coming after the NFC Championship game but before the Super Bowl. I'm not sure how quickly they would act on this. I would assume they would if it is indeed his second incident. So <laughs> there's what we know about Geronimo Allison. 
not some witch hunt. Uh, the timing is just because this is when the media is finding out about it. And we don't know because the NFL doesn't let anyone know, you know, what incident it is. Uh, Geronimo Allison might eventually just tell everyone in an interview, but until he does an interview, we don't know. We don't know. <laughs> so there, nobody's going to know until somebody tells us further. Uh, there's just a lot of unanswered questions at this time. There's a lot more we could talk about with with wide receiver Jordy Nelson's injury. He's got the two broken ribs. His status is uncertain, although it doesn't look good for Sunday. We could talk about the release of defensive lineman Mike Pinnell. Um, we could talk about the raise given to practice squad tight end Bo Sandlin. All things I wanted to touch on, but... I think my voice is shot here, and I'm not sure anybody wants to listen to this too much. Although, maybe I kind of sound like Barry White. That's what I maybe think in my mind with this deep voice here. Anyway, uh, that's going to do it, folks, because uh, the, the I'm just not good enough to go on today. But I wanted to let Nathan Yankee talk a lot uh, and get this out there so you could hear him more than anything else today. Hopefully, I'll sound better on Friday. Uh, well, we're, where we'll preview the upcoming Dallas Cowboys Green Bay Packers matchup a little bit more in depth by then. But that'll do it, folks. Thank you, everybody, so much for joining us. We'll see you later. Uh, I leave you today with a song called um, Can't Wait Another Day by the String Cheese Incident on Sci Fidelity Records. See ya. Go, Pack, go. Anticipating your next move has got me bouncing off the wall.